people living on the street end up breaking several laws. Some of these are being in parks or walkways where sleeping or camping is not allowed. Others are illegal drug use or drug purchasing. And finally, theft and murder are committed. Communities have gone too far in both being too lenient on homeless crime and on effectively criminalizing homelessness itself. On one hand, some cities have allowed large, dirty camps to form and remain for extended periods of time, and refused to even enforce laws against stealing. In Seattle, stores would complain to police about theft committed by homeless people, and police would basically have to say, call your city councilman, because we're not allowed to enforce such laws against the homeless. This results in prominent areas of cities being blighted by camps, trash, and crime. From 2010 to 2019, thefts grew 22% in Portland, 50% in San Francisco, and 61% in Los Angeles. Shoplifting is out of control on the West Coast, and drug addicts are the perpetrators. While adults with substance abuse disorders are 2.6% of the total population, they are 72% of inmates in jail for property crimes. Compared to the average American, addicts are 29 times more likely to commit a property crime. According to the Bureau of Justice and Statistics, 39% of property crime inmates say they stole to support their drug habit. This is the most common motivation for crime. These regions have decriminalized much crime. In California, Proposition 47 was approved in 2014. This made many drug and property felonies misdemeanors, basically decriminalizing thefts up to $1,000. This allowed stealing without fear of law enforcement. One Portland man stole $2,690 of meat and told the police, I know the law. I know the rules. I know what I can and can't do. I'm never going to get over $1,000 at any store. Some retailers don't even try to stop shoplifters. They know police can't help due to the law, and they fear the cost of liability is higher than the cost of theft. The cost of shoplifting is usually passed on to customers with higher prices and sometimes causes stores to close or move. Retailers closing in Seattle is a particular problem due to both theft and the threat of violence. In Venice Beach, California, homeless camps are rife with crime, drugs, drug dealers fighting turf wars over the camps, robbery, violence, and meth heads acting crazy while high. The shelters are basically run by drug dealers, and the mentally ill go there and get addicted to drugs. To the other extreme, communities criminalize homelessness itself by making illegal and enforcing laws specifically designed to go after homeless people. If there isn't room in homeless shelters, people have to sleep somewhere. So it doesn't make sense to arrest or force the movement of people for sleeping if they are out of the way. Heavy police action results in homeless people resting more out of sight, which makes them more vulnerable to rape and theft. It may make the homeless problem seem better, but just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not going on. The homeless are afraid to go to police, making the homeless even more susceptible. Constantly having to worry about police or being awoken and made to move by police results in less sleep and worsens health conditions. Additionally, 
Fellow homeless are afraid to call emergency services when someone overdoses, in fear of the victim or witness being arrested for outstanding warrants or sentence violations. The homeless can't pay fines that courts put on them, and often have additional fines because they don't make their court dates. Frequently, they fail to show up because of transportation or notification issues. They have no phone number or mail address to be notified of the court dates. Such debts make their financial situation even worse. Finally, sweeps of homeless camps can result in the homeless losing what little property they have, including sleeping bags, family photographs, and medicine. Jail for the homeless disrupts any stability they've gained. Giving someone a criminal record for trying to sleep screws them, even more as this record will make finding jobs, housing, education, and other benefits more difficult. When charges lead to fines that the homeless obviously can't pay, that can lead to jail time. People who have spent more than 90 days in prison lose their chronic homelessness status and therefore lose priority for permanent housing. Making the homeless move or stay away from certain spots also can make it more difficult for them to access social services like food stamps or housing providers. Forcing them to move makes them lose touch with charities or services that were trying to help them because the workers can no longer find the homeless they were working with. It generally costs three times more to jail a person than to give them a shelter bed. Heavy policing may actually create more disorder by spreading the homeless around the city and by destabilizing their lives. In the scenario where police are making people move or ticketing them simply for camping, sleeping in a car, loitering, or begging, police have remarked that this isn't helping anyone and that this isn't why they joined the force. They see that giving order after order and making arrest after arrest isn't helping when the homeless have little choice but to break these laws and to be in places that people don't want them. If there isn't help being offered, criminalizing such things just makes people feel better while harassing the homeless and making their challenges even greater. Focusing on the homeless in unproductive ways hurts police and prosecutor morale and is a waste of public resources. Two Colorado surveys of the homeless, given in 2013 and 2014, find that tough homeless policing campaigns and camping bans resulted in the homeless' lives becoming more challenging, stressful, and dangerous. The plan for such Colorado campaigns was for police to also get the homeless in touch with services, but officers were much better at telling the homeless to move along, issuing citations, and checking for warrants than at getting the homeless help. Of police camping contacts, they only directed 10% of them to services and called outreach workers 5% of the time. These surveys matched Denver police data, also showing high numbers of homeless contacted, ticketed, and arrested for quality-of-life crimes. Before this camping ban, 72% of surveyed homeless said they sometimes or always sleep outside. With the ban in place, 64% said this. So, the ban made their lives worse, but didn't get many of them inside. 66% said they moved to less seen places to sleep. 58% said they avoid police more than before the camping ban. 39% say they walk more to avoid police and travel to and from cities. Only 4% said the police became more helpful in obtaining services or better places to sleep. On the positive note, 40% have increased efforts to get into shelters. 
But a majority say the shelters are harder to get into, and 73% have failed to get into shelter because it was full, and 33% say this has happened frequently. 53% say they feel less safe at night. 60% get less sleep, and 90% report their experiences with police are more harassing than helpful. This is evidence that criminalizing homelessness can push them towards shelters, but in this Colorado campaign, there were not enough shelters available. In multiple Colorado cities at the time of these campaigns, there were far more homeless than actual shelter beds, so it wouldn't have been possible to push most of the homeless into shelters. Before the camping ban, 55% said the reason they slept in downtown Denver was because such areas were safe, warm, and well-lit. 15% said because they had access to services and bathrooms. An important flaw of these Colorado surveys is that it only contacted people on the street after the policing campaigns went into effect, so they would not reach people who were moved off the streets by the tougher policing. It's therefore possible that there was a large number of people induced into help that the survey failed to capture. Other studies and surveys report similar findings to these Colorado surveys. Police don't usually follow what the homeless do once they move along. Police's task is just to get the homeless to move from their current area. Police have reported taking a homeless person, then moving him to another police department's jurisdiction, and leaving him there, because the officer's job was just to get the homeless person out of his jurisdiction. With harassing police methods, the homeless develop less trust in institutions in general which means they also less trust the services made to help them. I've seen an argument that certain nice Seattle neighborhoods have solved homelessness by having a gated community and private security that enforces the rules. This forces the homeless to live elsewhere, and therefore homelessness is solved, and the rest of Seattle should follow the same method. While I agree that Seattle was way too soft on enforcing basic laws, the idea that these neighborhoods solved homelessness is nonsense. They didn't solve it. They just forced it to other parts of town. So, we have different communities being either too harsh or too lenient on the homeless. The simple and fairly obvious correct policy is somewhere in between the two extremes. We absolutely have to charge people for theft. We can't allow the homeless to ruin our cities. If they are going to steal from each other or stores, we have to target these thieves and end their ability to commit such crimes. I'm all for the justice system giving these people the option of drug rehab or psychiatric help instead of hard prison. But either way, we can't just ignore fundamental breakdowns of public order. It feels crazy that I even have to make this point. If the community has safe and clean shelter options for the homeless, who aren't committing greater crimes, then I don't mind the enforcement of camping and sleeping ordinances as long as judges give suspects the option of taking on services and living in a shelter or housing in an effort to get back on their feet. If the community is not ready to offer such help, then we should let people sleep as long as they are out of the way and not disrupting commerce. The goal needs to be to build up the shelter and housing infrastructure so we have the option to move the homeless out of public areas and into housing, and programs designed to get them into independence. As far as the enforcement of drugs, 
those selling drugs should be prosecuted to remove them from society and deter others. However, the policing of just the use of drugs should give people the option of rehab. Some conservative pieces have blamed homeless blight on the lack of drug prosecution. But the homeless commit plenty of other crimes, so the focus on drug violations seems part of a greater anti-drug attitude rather than a key problem in homeless enforcement. That said, seeing how badly certain drugs like meth have destroyed people's lives certainly helps me support its illegal status. Forcing those who are addicted to choose between prison and rehab gets them off the streets, prevents their crimes, and can save their lives. There are plenty of interviews of formerly homeless, drug-addicted people who say that a tough approach that forced them to get help saved their lives. To sum up how we should police homelessness, let's target lawbreakers who are disrupting the greater community, but in such a way that gives the downtrodden a chance to get healthy and work. If they refuse help, then jail it is. If the community isn't currently able to offer help, then we should let people sleep where they are as long as they don't physically disrupt the rest of us. Currently, some communities go too far in both directions.